Welcome to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley, and we've got a great guest for you today. We bring Patrick DeHaan from GasBuddy.com back to talk with us, not only about gas prices, but by the time this segment airs, we'll be just getting over a horrific hurricane that went through Florida. And what a great time to have Patrick on the show. Patrick, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Tony. Well, I appreciate you being here. Before we start talking specifics, just from what you've seen so far, what's your comments on the hurricane? Well, you know, we've seen a tremendous hurricane here move a little bit more south than expected. I think early on, the concerns were Hurricane Ian would make landfall somewhere closer to Alabama or the Panhandle of Florida, and that could have affected oil production and refineries, but Ian moved a little bit further south to Fort Myers. As a result, hurricane impacts have not been significant. In fact, there's really been no impact, at least when it comes to gas prices and oil production from Hurricane Ian. Now, having said that, there are other issues that are affecting prices and pushing them up across much of Michigan. Those issues including the BP refinery in Northwest Indiana, which has still been struggling to get back online after an electrical fire a month ago, exacerbated then by another fire at a BP Cenevis refinery in Toledo. Both of those refineries can supply Michigan. And for that reason, we've seen prices spike substantially compared to a few weeks ago. And now Michigan prices are back over the $4 gallon mark because of these refinery issues. But the situation should improve over the next couple of weeks so long as the refinery in Toledo can get back online. Tell me about those fires. Do we know how they started and how long does it take for them to kind of get back online? Don't know a whole lot of details on how they started. The refinery in Northwest Indiana had an electrical fire. Keep in mind, refineries, especially the one in Northwest Indiana, ultimately date back to the late 1800s. So they are not brand new modern facilities. And oftentimes you can have problems. And that was the issue in Northwest Indiana. Of course, refineries tremendously complex. So an electrical fire is about the most challenging, especially when it comes to electronics and other things that tie into that to restore. Now, the refinery in Ohio, not a whole lot of news other than that refinery had begun or was completed in spring, a major turnaround, and that two workers at that refinery ultimately succumbed to injuries, which triggers a larger scale investigation by OSHA. And so that refinery will be down at least two weeks before repairs can start. And then beyond that, it may take more weeks yet to repair that facility. What were the gas prices in Michigan prior to these incidents and where are they now and where do you see them going? Well, we were about 40 cents, 50 cents lower than today. Some prices were in the mid threes in Michigan and some of the stations mid to upper threes. But now we shot back over four. We're at about 418 a gallon. We could go up a little bit more, though. I'm hoping that maybe we'll get lucky in terms of these refineries being able to restore production. So we may have hit our short-term peak, but if there's any other issues or challenges, we could go up even more. Having said that, it usually takes a few weeks for refineries to get back online. The exception now, this refinery in Toledo, which suffered a fire, there's really no word on how extensive the damage is. And like I said, investigations will have to be played out before they can even start to repair damage. Having said that, Because prices have shot up so significantly, we are starting likely to receive additional supply from Gulf Coast refineries who can send gasoline to us via pipeline. So that supply should allow prices to see some relief here in the weeks ahead. 
Pat, from what you know, where are most of those platforms in the Gulf located? And you had mentioned that they really weren't affected by the storm, luckily. Yeah, there's thousands of rigs out in the Gulf of Mexico, primarily south in off the coast of Louisiana and Texas. That's really the hub for them is really south in the Gulf of Mexico, off the coast of Louisiana and Texas. And yeah, they were not impacted because Hurricane Ian stayed on a path away from many of those oil platforms. But Patrick, from what I understand, many of those, if not all of those platforms were shut down just as a precaution. Tell us what you know about that and what's the process to do that? Well, some of the platforms on the eastern side of things in Louisiana, off the shore of New Orleans, were shut down as a precaution, but a very small percentage of them. And many times essential workers are evacuated but not all workers. Sometimes oil production is shut down as a precaution. Sometimes it resumes or continues, as was the case with some of the platforms off the coast of Texas. They didn't really bat an eye. And so oil platforms that shut down stop pumping oil during the storm. They may have to wait for power restoration. But ultimately, when we started to see the forecast for Hurricane Ian move over to Florida, That gave oil companies the confidence to be able to reopen those platforms, and that risk was very minimal as Ian moved a bit further east than expected. We're talking with Patrick DeHaan from GasBuddy.com. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about refineries. We'll do that next here on Media Business. I'm Tony Conley, and this is the Michigan Business Network. for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to laughq.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. Welcome back to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley. We're talking with gasbuddy.com's Patrick DeHaan. Patrick, one of the reasons we love talking to you is you don't allow politics to get involved with our conversations. We stick to the facts. And I did want to get a comment from you. Recently, President Biden made a comment that he wanted to make sure that the major oil producers, gasoline producers, didn't increase prices and use the storm in Florida as a reason to do so. What's your thoughts when you hear something like that? Well, you know, just political speak, the president maybe wants to just show Americans that he's on top of the situation. But I have not seen in my career gas stations just arbitrarily raising prices without their own costs going up. Now, I can see a lot of the figures on where prices are going to go. And so Americans may say, hey, prices went up. It's got to be related to this hurricane. But in the example in Michigan, prices recently went up not to do with the hurricane, But because of other issues, gas prices don't just go up or down based on one issue. There are dozens of issues that could affect prices. And so when I hear presidents say that, you know, my evidence supports that gas stations only pass along their costs. And if their cost goes up, 
it's because there's an impact to supply. But in this case, obviously, we didn't see an impact to supply. So while Michigan prices went up, it was not due to the hurricane. And the president may be saying that, maybe steers people into this misconception that oil companies have control over prices. And maybe the president will give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it slipped uh, President Biden's mind that 60% or even more gas stations are owned by mom and pop shops. So they, as you mentioned, can control the pricing as opposed to the big oil. Well, yeah, and that's exactly it. I mean, at the root of it, gas stations are merely middlemen that pass along whatever their price is. If it goes up, they raise their price. If it goes down, they lower their price. So to insinuate that mom and pops have ultimate 100% control over price is just misinformation. Again, we want to stay away from politics as much as possible, but it does seem though President Biden has been picking on big oil quite a bit that their profits are bigger than where they should be, and they're not doing what they need to do in regards to lowering gas prices and that they're not taking advantage of what he says are opportunities to produce more oil. What's your take on those items? Tony, I really think at the root of this, the president's essentially demonizing capitalism. He's demonizing the system that we have, that prices go up when there's a disruption to supply and demand. That's been the whole system, right? That gas prices are not set by oil companies. He's seeking to reiterate the myth that oil companies simply have control over prices. They don't. Americans, through their spending, have more control over prices, right? During COVID, when Americans stopped driving, what happened to prices? They plummeted. Oil companies had no control. They couldn't charge more because there was no one driving. So at the root of it, gasoline prices, though we don't like when they go up, gas prices are ultimately determined by how often you and I are filling our tanks. Patrick, when you hear comments like that, what do you think? And what do you think Big Oil's take and even the consumer's take is on comments like that? I think Big Oil is at a point where they just ignore comments like that. They know the truth that they don't set prices. Now they control production. But oil companies have every incentive to keep 100% of the refineries online this year because prices have been high. Not only that, but they have every incentive to produce as much oil as possible because prices are high. So, you know, oil companies, I think, are simply at a point where what the president says, they're maybe sick of trying to have to counter what the president is saying. So it's unfortunate that politics on both sides of the aisle have gotten into the space where they're going to try and tell Americans something that serves their interests, but is not factually correct. Patrick, I've heard both sides of the story when it comes to production. I wanted to get your take on it. President Biden says that the licenses and permits that are needed are available. The big oil producers say they are not and that you have to jump through a lot of hoops to be able to produce more oil. What's your take on that? You know, I kind of think it's like forcing somebody that has a driver's license to go drive. Oil companies have permits, but the situation may not be right for them to produce on those permits. They may have assets tied up elsewhere. So sometimes it's very difficult for oil companies to drill everywhere and all at the same time because they have a lot of assets tied up, their employees may be in the wrong place, et cetera. We're talking with Patrick DeHaan from GasBuddies.com. When we come back, we'll talk more about the production of oil and about refineries being built. I'm Tony Conley. We're talking to Patrick DeHaan from GasBuddy.com. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network.
Wisconsin Air has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sanair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sanair.com. Welcome back to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley. This is part two of our interview with Patrick DeHaan. And that's a good thing because OPEC at the recording of this interview had some news today. And I'm going to let Patrick take it away. Patrick DeHaan is from GasBuddy.com. He is one of the world's and one of the country's best when it comes to figuring out what's going on with oil and gas around the globe. And he joins us today. Patrick, how are you, my friend? Good, Tony. It's good to be with you. And boy, it seems like every time we talk, there's plenty to talk about. It's unbelievable. And OPEC made some news that even though we're kind of early recording this, they made some news that's global news. Tell us about it. Yeah, that's right. OPEC had been much rumored to be planning to cut production by a million barrels a day. They went ahead and doubled that. OPEC has now agreed to cut production by 2 million barrels a day. Keep in mind, the kind of semantics here is that OPEC had not been producing as much as it had indicated it would. And potentially here, as they cut these quotas, maybe OPEC will not be cutting production by as much as it's saying it will. So why not tell us that? Why did they put the 2 million out there just to protect themselves in case they do do that? Well, Tony, OPEC has been over-promising and under-delivering. So I suspect that maybe this is their way to get compliance back more into check. That is, countries may get closer to what the OPEC target is if they go ahead with this big cut. So basically, they kind of haven't been producing as much as they said. And now maybe they're going to bring that back into reality, which they'll be closer to producing what they say they will. So, Patrick, why cut production? Well, Tony, I think it's a sign that OPEC is very, very rattled by the fact that oil prices have fallen so precipitously the last couple of months. Last week, they touched $77 a barrel, the lowest since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And OPEC has just been watching. Concerns of an economic slowdown have really ramped up. Central banks globally have raised interest rates, choking off growth. And OPEC has watched the price of oil plummet. And concerns of a global economic slowdown continue to haunt them. And this is not only going to affect us here in the United States, because we are not producing as much as we had been, but the world's going to take a hit from this also, aren't they? Well, certainly. The price of oil has already gone up about $10 a barrel on the expectation as these rumors started to swirl. So this is not just going to impact the U.S. It's not going to impact just a specific country, but everything globally. And it's going to impact the price of refined products, gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel will also be impacted down the line. From what you can gather, Patrick, when will we start seeing the increases at the pump and how much do you think that will be? Well, it's a little nuanced, Tony, because prices in Michigan have already surged because of refinery issues. We may and probably will not see the OPEC issue hit the pump. And that's because wholesale prices of gasoline have been falling as refinery issues have been addressed and they've been falling big. And that's going to offset the rise in oil prices from OPEC. So to say it this way, Michigan prices are going to fall. How OPEC's decision will impact prices is that prices won't go down as much as they would have otherwise. 
Patrick, was Russia also involved in this meeting in regards to them cutting their production? They were. This was an OPEC plus meeting, the plus meeting plus Russia. So they were involved in this decision as well. And just give us a quick update. I know you had mentioned that there were issues with two refineries, I think a fire at one and Mm -hmm. another issue. Where are we with those? Well, Tony, the refinery in Northwest Indiana that had an electrical fire about a month ago is basically fully back online. The refinery in Toledo that had a fire about a couple of weeks ago remains completely down for an OSHA investigation. And because of some complexities, that refinery was in the process of being sold. That could complicate how quickly repairs are made. I'm concerned that that refinery could be down through the rest of the year and into 2023. What will that mean? Well, it certainly could prevent prices from being as low in the Great Lakes as some other areas of the country if there's not enough supply to meet demand. We've got two more questions for Patrick DeHaan from GasBuddy.com. Patrick, and I don't want to get into the semantics of political wrestling, but we know that there's been a lot of discussion with us producing more here in the United States. We hear the Biden administration say, hey, the licensing's available. You can go out there and do what needs to be done. We hear the oil producer say, no, it's not that easy. There are a lot of hurdles to get through. Where are we with that? Well, you know, you look at oil production today, it's not as high as it was just before COVID, but it's also higher than two out of the last three years of Trump's presidency. So I don't want to create a false thinking that oil is, you know, we're not anywhere close to those numbers. But historically speaking, we're still close to the highest amounts of oil that the U.S. has produced. The problem is not necessarily our oil production, but it's Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which has brought sanctions globally on Russia. And it basically curbed Russia's ability to supply the market. So that has had a profound global shift on supply and demand. Cutting Russia's oil off from the global market simply means that there's less supply to go around. And that's why oil prices have been affected. All right. Final question for you, Patrick. How does Wall Street affect oil prices and how will the election affect oil prices, if any? Well, the election will not affect oil prices. I know millions of Americans on both sides of the aisle like to think that there's some sort of impact, but there's not. Now, of course, politicians on both sides of the aisle, Republicans have been issuing tax credits through the midterms. So you could argue that the Republicans in some states like Georgia, where the tax holiday was just extended, are trying to buy votes. You could also say that the Biden administration, by releasing oil from the SPR, is trying to influence prices. So, you know, both sides are engaging in these games, but at the end, the election is not going to make any difference. Patrick, if folks want to find the best price for gasoline here in Michigan, there's an app. Tell us a little bit about it and what else it can do for folks. Yeah, Tony, I certainly recommend the GasBuddy app. I might be a little bit biased, but I think it's a terrific app. It's free for your iPhone or Android. Always shop around. It doesn't take very long to find the prices around you using the app. In addition, the GasBuddy app also has a payments card that can save you up to 25 cents a gallon. All right, Patrick, I know I'll be giving you a call after the election. We'll see where prices are then. I appreciate you so much, Patrick. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Tony. It's Patrick DeHaan from GasBuddy.com. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Connolly. We'll see you next time.